Just want to share with you, thank you, thank you for your giving because it imparts and shares with the kids and, and disciples them and, and again, it's those people sacrificing to be a blessing to your children. And also, I just want to encourage you, what, what Tony talked about, we thank you for your giving because it allows us to be a blessing literally to the world. And uh, somebody said, well, hey, where do you get your jackets, all that kind of stuff? I'll be honest with you, the last four weeks, my jacket, my shirt, my belt, and my, my shoes, I have gotten through the Dream Center for absolutely nothing. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that if you don't shop there, humble yourself and go shop there. Uh, all brand new. I mean, uh, it's like a super pay raise and promotion, uh, getting all that stuff. But I just encourage you to check it out. We have a lot. Uh, right now, the storehouse is literally, literally overflowing. Uh, it is crazy uh, how much, I mean, everybody's talking about shortages, and I'm talking about overflowing abundance. Come on, say amen. Well, hey, I just want to, I want to take a minute to honor uh, Ernie and Tammy Boggs. Ernie and Tammy uh, come to second service. Ernie is a retired Randolph County Sheriff's uh, deputy, and Tammy works for Dr. Bortson's optometry clinic. And I was sitting down talking to Ernie the other day, and he goes, did you ever hear the story of how we met? And I said, no, I didn't. And so Ernie was like, Vic, he says, we were both sitting at a restaurant uh, at Don's, and he said, Tammy's table was right next door to my table. We didn't know each other. And, and he said, I noticed that, man, he said, she's a really pretty woman. And, and so all of a sudden, Tammy's sitting there, and Tammy sneezes. And, and as Tammy sneezes, her glass eye pops out, bounces bounces on her table, bounces over to Ernie's table. Ernie reaches out, grabs the eyeball, and hands it back to Tammy. And Tammy takes the glass eye, she pops it back in her eye, and, um, and uh, she goes, er, she says, sir, I am, she didn't know him at that point, she said, I'm so sorry to, to disturb your dinner, and she says, if anything, can I buy you dinner? And he says, yeah, he says, you can definitely buy me dinner, and why don't you join me? And, and so he's just, he was telling me, he said, I was so enamored by her beauty, and she was a stunning conversationalist, and all that type of stuff, and finally, he said, I got up the nerve, and he said, can I have your number? And she says, yeah, you can have my number, because he goes, I'd like to call you, I really like you. And she said, that would be fine. And, and then he, then he, he sort of, his insecurity, he goes, he goes, are you this nice to every, every guy that you meet? And she said, no, you just happened to catch my eye. <laughs> she does not have a glass eye, all right. Ernie sent that joke to me, and, and I told him last week, I said, I'm going to share this ahead of time, and I said, Tammy, please don't be mad at me, and she goes, oh, no, he told me he sent it to you, and, and she goes, I know you well enough, I thought this is what you're probably going to do, but, so I just want you to think for me, I want you to clear your head, and, and uh, in light of the last couple of years, if I were to ask you to name the world's most deadliest disease, what would be your answer? Would it be cancer? Would it be COVID? Would it be AIDS? Would it be heart disease? Would it be some kind of blood disease? But probably most of you would never say discouragement. You would never say discouragement, and over 35 times in the Bible, the Bible says we are to encourage one another. Probably most of you would not think of discouragement as a deadly disease, but when you really begin to look at it, it's more common than all those other diseases listed, and even those that I didn't list, that are combined. 
And it's discouragement is such a dreaded disease because, first of all, it's universal. Everybody gets discouraged. You get discouraged. I get discouraged. All God's children get discouraged. All those who aren't God's children get discouraged. We look around and everything in the world right now, we're discouraged with the, the, the times and the culture and the seasons. And I, and I always think about Christians, why are you so discouraged? Because the Bible says in the end times or leading up to the end times, these are the signs that you're going to notice in your life. And, 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 and so, so I'm thinking, okay, well, God, that means we need to get really, really busy. Secondly, it's reoccurring. In other words, it's not a one-time thing that discouragement will happen regularly in your life. And I think that's why so many times the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, reminds us to be and encourage one another. Most of you, or maybe you don't realize, but today is Pentecost Sunday. Acts chapter 2, the birth of, of, the, of the modern church when, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all God's people and, and they spilled out into the streets. And I think, man, what an encouragement that God chose us to live in this generation that God shows us that when we give our hearts to Christ that he he puts his Holy Spirit in us why so that we can be an encourager everybody say encouragement thirdly it's highly contagious it's highly contagious because other people can get discouraged because you're discouraged and you get discouraged because others are discouraged I listen to people talk and I think about all the stuff that they talk about and and, and all the stuff that they look and and I'm thinking, okay, well, if we're so discouraged by culture and society, then Acts chapter, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 gives us an answer. And it says, let us not neglect our meeting together. Everybody say together. As some people do. But encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. So in other words, it's like if you're discouraged, the number one thing you need to do is get around your brothers and sisters in Christ and encourage one another. Small groups are launching today. What are small groups about? One of the main things that they're about is to encourage one another. And we can look at this dreaded disease caused discouragement, but 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 6 gives me hope because it said that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he went and encouraged all his men to go back and take everything that the devil had taken from him. And I got thinking about that, that that's what we need to do. We need to first go to God. We need to encourage ourselves vertically so we can encourage each other horizontally. Most of us don't know how to encourage each other or we discourage each other because we don't go to the Lord first and we can't spread it out because unless we're encouraged by him, we're going to get discouraged. Amen. And the good news is discouragement is curable. In the next two weeks, in the Overcomer Summer Series, this next two weeks, we're going to look at how, first of all, the causes of discouragement this week, and then next week, the three cures for discouragement. And the backstory is Nehemiah was a, a leader of Israel. He was a cupbearer to an evil king. And he went to the king and he said, hey, I want to go rebuild my city where I came from. And so he had a group of Jews that returned to is from Israel to Bab from Babylon to Israel. And they begin to build the wall around Jerusalem. And it's an amazing thing because it really shows us what, what life is like. At first they started and, and everybody's excited and, and they're pressing forward and, and there's great joy. And then we see that they got discouraged 
In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, then 10 through 12, look what it says when they first begin. Nehemiah 4, verse 6. At last the wall was completed to half its height, half its height, around the entire city. For the people had worked with enthusiasm. But notice in just three verses what happens. Verse 10. Then the people of Judah begin to complain. The workers are getting tired, and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. Verse 12 is very interesting. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. Let's pray. Father God, I'm looking at overcomers. Each and every person in here has the ability to be an overcomer this summer. Overcome loneliness, overcome depression, overcome disappointment. All those things that we're going to talk about this summer. They have the innate power of the Holy Spirit that was poured out on them in Acts chapter 2. What we celebrate, Pentecost Sunday, to be overcomers, Father. And all of us can relate to the children of Israel at this moment. We may be discouraged right now. We'll be discouraged in the future. We'll be, have been discouraged in the past. And Father, we just need to unpack today of why we get discouraged. Sometimes we need to know the cause before we can enact the solution properly, Father. That we're not just treating the cause with band-aids, but we're going right to the, to the heart of the issue and we're cutting that root out with an axe of the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, Father. And Lord, that's what I believe. Lord, let them understand how crucial and critical this series is. Father, that this this series tells us what to do when we feel like giving up. Father, this series tells us how we can be an overcomer this summer. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say, I am an overcomer. So the first thing that you've got to recognize is before you know the solution, you've got to know the causes. And cause number one is just plain tired. Just plain tired. People get discouraged because of physical, emotional fatigue. The Bible story says the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers are giving out. In other words, they had worked themselves into exhaustion. They're worn out physically. They're worn out mentally. They're worn out emotionally. They're, they're drained in their life. And some people who come to us for counseling who feel discouraged, they'll incorrectly think it is a spiritual problem. They're like, man, I'm exhausted, I'm fatigued, I'm making stupid decisions, whatever that is. And they think it's a spiritual decisions, but sometimes what they are is they're just physically exhausted. They need to understand rest and relaxation and renewal in their life. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do as a Christian is take a nap, take a vacation, just relax, just sit still and be quiet. Seriously, that sometimes you don't need to pull out your Bible, you don't need to pray, you just need to sit back and relax in the presence of the Lord. And allow him to fill you and refill you and fill you and refill you. Because when does fatigue and discouragement occur? When does it hit our lives usually? Nehemiah 4.6 says halfway. Everybody say halfway. Isn't that interesting? Halfway. We tend to get discouraged when we're halfway through the project. Because see, everybody works hard at first. 
The Bible says, one version, they worked hard with all their heart. Another one says they, they were enthusiastic or God-enthused. Why? Because it's the newness of the project. It's exciting. It's novel. It's the, but soon as the newness wears off, let me tell you, the work gets boring. Life has settled down into a rut. Life has become routine. Life has become ritual. Life has just become. You know, that's why a lot of people have relational problems. That's why people have business problems. That's why people have Christianity problems because life just becomes routine. You know, we're in the process of remodeling our platform. And, and uh, just to let you know, they've got this side of the heating and air is now fixed. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So this side might be a little colder as we're trying to figure it out. This side is going to be under review, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but this has been a, over a year project of getting there. The platform, the things are ordered. We're excited about that. But now it's hurry up and wait. Come on, say amen. Thank God I was in the military. It taught me to hurry up and just wait. Taught me patience. But as soon as we get through it, we look around and say, man, I'm tired. It's half finished. And not only is it only half finished, but once I finish it up, then I got to clean everything up. And not only do I got to clean everything up, then I got to put everything back. Come on, say amen. amen. It's why so many people leave things unfinished and undone in their life. The second cause of discouragement is trashed by frustration. Trashed by frustration. Verse 10, the Israelites said there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. There is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. And the Bible says they were disheartened. They were frustrated over what seemed an impossible situation. And what is rubble? They were building a new wall. The old rocks were everywhere. And when they looked at the rubble and debris, they became discouraged and lost sight of the goal and the dream. That's why I tell people, clean up while you work. Don't just pile it up, but clean up while you work. Remove that rubble in your life, physical rubble, spiritual rubble, emotional rubble. Remove it as you go, because otherwise you get to the end of the project and you're, you're exhausted and you're frustrated. There was so much, listen to me. There was so much junk in their lives that they didn't know how to get to the real business of living life. Of living life. This Overcomer Summer Series is so crucial is so you can live life to the fullest. You can live a John 10, 10 life. Life that I might be blessed and overflowing. Overflowing that you can live in Ephesians 3:20 life more than you can think or imagine. God has got planned for you of what He wants to do in your life. It's learning to remove the rubble, because whenever you do a project, some waste is going to accumulate, and it's pretty frustrating because wherever the waste is, you can't get the work done. How many of y'all have ever remodeled your home? We don't, like one of the pieces of marriage advice I'll give you for us, I can demo, but I can't do anything else. And so we've just learned to remove the stress. We just save the money, then hire it out. I don't even hang pictures on our wall, all right? Not allowed, nothing. But, but you got piles of sheetrock, you got piles of trash, and it seems to multiply and it grows. And the parallel is you can't avoid rubbish in your life. It's going to happen. But you can learn to recognize it, and you can learn what to know to do with it, so you don't give up on the original plan, Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has for your life. What is the rubbish in your life? 
It's the trivial things that waste our time. It's the trivial things that consume our energy. It's the trivial things that keep you from being everything that you want to be, that God created you to be, and that Psalm 37, 4 desire in your heart. It's the things that keep you from really doing the important things in your life, like joining a Family Life Fellowship small group. Think about it. If, if, if we're together together when the times are crazy to encourage one another, do not forget to get together, then why do we make so many excuses, rubble or rubbish, that affects our eternity. Why don't we clear the rubble and prevent those things that, that, that stop you or prevent you from nurturing your children and your spouse? Like your telephone. Like date night and being intentional and writing it down. Why don't you remove those things that are preventing you from being active on the dream team in the areas of the giftedness of your church so you can live that fulfilled life? See, it's the rubbish in your life is those things that get in your way and stop your destiny. It's the rubbish in your life that is the interruptions from accomplishing the God-given goals that he's placed in your heart. And let me tell you, you won't be frustrated if you'll get that and you'll begin to live in fulfillment. There are some things that you need to clean out of our lives. Everybody say, I need to take out the trash. The third cause is stalled by failure. Verse 10, the Israelites complained, we cannot rebuild the wall. What they were saying, we're too tired. It's not possible. It's foolish to try. We give up. But really the problem is failure. These people were unable to finish their task as quickly as they had originally planned. And the result is their confidence plummeted. They lost heart and they got discouraged. They said, you know what? We can't do it, so we're just giving up. We can't do it, so we're just giving up. We just can't do it, so we're just giving up. And you know, sometimes you got to put things into perspective. We have a family in our church. They just got baptized a couple of months ago. And the mom was at work. She gets a phone call. Your two children have just been life-flighted, one to Columbia, one to university. This happened on Thursday. And through the process, we begin to pray and keep praying for a little Leah that, 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 that she can wiggle her toes. That's what we're just praying, that she can wiggle her toes. And the mom, you know what she said? She said, Vic, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be at church on Sunday. I said, don't worry about it. Just we're going to pray. But you know what? It causes me to step back and say, you know what, man? What really are my problems in life? How do you handle failure in your life? How do you handle failure in your life? Do you have a pity party? Do you say, oh, poor me. I can't get the job done. Start complaining. It is impossible. I was a fool for trying. Do you blame other people? Everyone let me down. They didn't do it. They didn't do their part. And when I talked to Shiloh, she said it was her ex-husband that was driving the kids. And, and she said, I'm not mad at him. I'm not worried. We, I, she said, i got to focus all my energy on my kids being healed and in health. And she said, thank you for preaching that message last week because I'm using it today. God, thank you for healing my kids. 
thank you. And the one little boy got out the hospital the next day. And the, and the one little girl, I'm believing her toes are going to wiggle today. There's a difference between winners and losers. You know, this championship belt, if you know the story behind it, Ted DiBiase, in his character, could not win a championship belt, so he made his own championship belt. Whatever there. But what I love about it is, is winners only see failure as being a temporary setback. And I believe I'm looking at some winners this morning. Everybody say, I am a winner. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 17. I love this, this verse, and, and, and we know it, but let's turn to it anyway. It says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. They will get up again. Be praying right now because one individual that we've been doing jail ministry who's played with church, he's starting Troy Dream Center tomorrow. Pray that we have another guy who's been playing church. He's going to hopefully, I was talking to Emil this week, and we're praying. His name's Clint, so we'll be praying that Clint gets favor with the, the judge, and he'll be able to go up. But that's two guys through that have played church that we believe that are going to get their lives and turn it around. But you've got to keep going. And I believe that we need to look at winners. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all have ever invited somebody to church and somebody told you no? They told you no. Guess what? These Ted DiBiase invite cards are not for you. They're for you to invite somebody to church. And let me tell you, we're going to put all the tools and the trappings. Kevin Hall, he's got it set up. We're going to have a 10 by 10 wrestling ring right up front here that Ted's going to preach out of. And, and we got all kinds of stuff for dads and different things like that. But you know what? You got to say, you know what? Yeah, I failed 99 times, but I'm going to find somebody this week and I'm going to invite them to church. You have no control whether they come or not, but you can invite. Everybody say invite. It's the culture of the invite. We've all been rejected. But why does that hold you back from inviting somebody else? What we're trying to do this year, this year is God laid on my heart to bring in champions. People who failed a lot in their lives, but they became champions in their life. And even they might have been a champion and then they failed again, but they came back as a champion in life. And we're trying to bring these people to come. What? Also to give, create a culture of invite that you can invite people to come to church and bring. I was sitting there looking on the Facebook ad and somebody from Boonville said, hey, to her husband, hey, look, he's going to be at, at, we need to go see him. And, he, and the guy, the husband said, at church. And she said, yes. And I said, join us. You'll have lots of fun. We got lots of cool stuff planned. Why? We're going to set them up. What? To receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. But listen, you got to get over the next fourth thing of discouragement, that's fear. Fear of handing a card to somebody and say, hey, we'd love to have you come. Don't leave them in your seat. Don't stick them in the connect card thing. Don't leave them in your car. Don't put them in your filing cabinet called the Bible. But invite somebody. Hand that out. Nehemiah 4.11. The people put it this way. The people. The people were in the land of Israel that were enemies, they didn't want the wall to be rebuilt. They were enemies of the Jews. You have people that don't want you to go forward in your relationship with Christ. In history, a wall of the city represented safety and defense. 
So the enemies didn't want the wall finished. And it says here, if you break it down, it says, so they first criticized the Jews. Then they ridiculed the Jews. And then lastly, they threatened the Jews. We're going to kill you if you keep rebuilding the wall. And the wall builders became discouraged because of fear. And notice who became discouraged. I read it and annotated that to you. Verse 12, it was the Jews who lived near the enemy. Then they were discouraged by others saying, wherever we turn, they will attack us. Let me just be real with you. When you hang around a negative person long enough, you know what happens? You pick up their negativism also. And if you repeatedly hear someone say, it can't be done, it can't be done, it can't be done, you know what? You'll start believing them. It's why small groups. It's why during, as the day approaches, we are to encourage one another. We've been encouraging you since April to create a culture of invite, to invite people to church. 85% of people, statistics say roughly, give their hearts to Jesus at church. Most people will respond if you invite them to church. So if they will come, then what is the thing? Fears. Everybody say fears. Do you have fears that are making you discouraged right now? Fears that are preventing you from developing and growing and becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you, are you afraid to take the next step and accept that promotion at your place of, of employment because of the responsibility and you're afraid you're not capable for the task? Are you afraid to, to, that you can't hold up under the pressure so you choose not to serve or lead in the local church? Do you have a fear that, that maybe you feel you have to be f- perfect? Be, so what I'm saying is, is fear discourages you. How can you tell if your discouragement is caused by fear? Because you have an intense desire to run. You have an intense desire to escape life's demands and life's pressures. One of the natural reactions of fear is to run. In life, there are three ways that you can move. Number one, against something in anger, away from it in fear, or with it in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. That is the love of Jesus Christ. So how do we overcome discouragement this summer? Next week. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now, I want to address the fear and overcoming the fear of being saved or born again. Because really, what prevents a lot of people from giving their hearts to Jesus is that fear of what is my life going to be like once I ask Jesus into my heart? What is my life going to be like once... Jesus, who's going to be my friends? What will life look like? And so many times it prevents us from saying yes to Jesus, or we have a fear that people won't accept me, or we have a fear that, that I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not perfect enough to, to, to come into the kingdom, or, or, or whatever it is that we think, well, I need to clean this up. I need to get things resolved in my life. No, that's all bogus. Jesus says, man, I'll accept you right where you're at and right the way that you are. Because, see, faith cancels fear. Faith of what? Eternal life. Faith of what? A better life. Faith of being no longer blinded by your yesterday, but step into your destiny. That's what I'm talking about this morning. Second service, we're going to baptize Nicole and her three daughters. Had the privilege of doing her wedding a couple of weeks ago, and... And this week, 
they're getting baptized. We're excited about it. Last week at 1230, we had a, a man come in. He used to sit in the parking lot. And um, Parkinson's started attacking him. And he was afraid to get baptized in front of everybody. And it was one of the most precious moments at 1230 last week. And uh, he just grabbed onto me. And I mean, he like held into me. I probably have finger marks in my shoulder where he held onto me so tight and, and uh, just leaned in on me. And he wouldn't let go. And, 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 and as Pastor Brad poured the water over his head, we said, man, we're believing that God's going to begin to heal your body and all that kind of stuff. But he had a fear of what people would think. The most precious moment. I'm believing they're going to be back this week in service. Overcoming that fear and he's going to walk stronger than he's ever walked before. And he just started pouring out his heart to us. And all of a sudden, because see, you could see all of a sudden that freedom that Christ brought him that set him free. And he began to pour out his heart and begin to pour out his life and generational junk begin to, to shed off and begin to break he just began to confess and you could just see a peace and a healing come into his life and that's what happens when you say dear Jesus please forgive me I've sinned Lord I ask you to give me a brand new start maybe it's the brand new start for the hundredth time maybe it's for the first time it doesn't matter so with your head bowed and your eyes closed, you just simply pray a simple prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart right now. I ask you to just wash away my sin, my guilt, my shame, my past. And Holy Spirit, thank you. And in that moment that that happens, suddenly heaven is rejoicing. The angels are shouting your name. Father God's writing your name in the Lamb's book of life secure in your eternity and then the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and he's saying okay next steps maybe your next step is to start growth tracks where you can begin to lay a foundation for your faith in Jesus Christ you can begin to discover the purpose that God has for your life maybe your next step is water baptism it's going public with your faith you just let us know when you want to do it and we'll make it happen Maybe your next step is to join a small group. You're not meant to do life alone. But allow people to come beside you and encourage you and lift you up. Pray with you. Share their story. You share your story. Listen, we've got all the tools. But you've got to open up the toolbox and you've got to take the step. Man, life... You don't have to be disappointed any longer. Disappointment's going to come, but you don't have to stay in disappointment. Because God's got an amazing plan for your life. And Father God, for those who have made a decision, we plead the blood of Jesus over that seed that's in their lives. When the ravens come to snatch it away, we swat that away with the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. You cannot have that seed, but it's going to take and be in good ground. It's going to grow up and produce great fruit in their life. We speak that. We declare that. We prophesy that into their lives. 
Father, strengthen those who have walked. Revive us. Renew us. Let us not be, get caught in that. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a prayer request, if you made a decision to ask Christ in your heart, seat back's in front of you. There's a connect card. Please fill that out. Also, our prayer team has been... We have have encouraged them to encourage you. They're going to be up here at the end of service to pray for you, to encourage you. If you need some encouragement, man, take a couple minutes, have people pray for you. Also, Pastor Jason is in the house, so he's in here visiting. So welcome back, Pastor Jason. Pastor Jason, if you want to pray for people, we'd love to have you pray for people. Take care. God bless. Have a wonderful and amazing week.